Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to this new edition of Mind Podcast. This is Adit Kapadia uh, coming to you on a special Mind Podcast Sunday edition. I, I say special because I know we've been covering the elections, but this one we're going to do a little different. We're going to talk about the elections, but we're going to spend five or ten minutes talking about some other issues that have dominated the news because I have been harangued by our listeners that why are we not talking about this or why have we not talked about this. So together with me to decode all this, decipher all this is Mind, Mind Makers columnist. Um, fellow, fellow, cephalogist uh, or numbers guy, and uh, 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 our our good friend on mine podcast, Mohal Joshi. Hi, Mohal. Uh, thanks, Ajit. Uh, but I didn't say that we are all rounder. You know, we are all rounder. You know, we are all rounder. You know, we are all rounder. So we attempt to be. And, but and, you know, Ajit, uh, intellectual. Uh, I hope you are not calling me an intellectual because that's kind of a नहीं वो वो तो गाली हो गई फिर इंटेलेक्चुअल्स का ये है कि दे गो बियॉन्ड दियस एंड कम आउट विद थियरी सो बिजार दैट यूर लाइक वाई कैंट यू लुक एट द बेसिक कंक्लूजन ऑफ वॉट दिस माइट बी so but 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 the main reason why i wanted us to talk on this episode specifically is i know you and kishore do a fantastic uh, podcast india rising where you talk about foreign Thanks. affairs strategic affairs issues and i wanted before we go into elections i i i mean first of all i cannot do a election podcast series with you on so one episode i have to have you on but but i wanted to talk a little bit about strategic affairs with the whole masood azhar sri lanka attack fiasco and then uh, going to the elections uh, number crunching so for all for all people who have, may not have been uh, um, aware of masood azhar was uh, <coughs> officially the china removed its objection to masood azhar being designated as a global terrorist and this was seen as a huge victory for india diplomatically um, france and us all they led the efforts china's veto was the only thing blocking and it was china's veto was seen as a good sort of thing to their friend pakistan good favor to that friend pakistan but that has pakistan doesn't even have friends there now uh, and this in a week when imran khan was in beijing so that was even more fascinating but before i get you in mohan um, i would like to do a small plug and you, i don't even think you must have read because it just was published a few minutes ago uh, i would recommend everybody to read harita pusarla's analysis of this she just published a piece on we just published a piece on how why what masood azhar means and why and it's written from india's diplomatic perspective on what diplomatic efforts went into india getting masood azhar Uh, the way they did uh, designated as a terrorist so just wanted to but uh, yeah mohal so what are your thoughts initially on this yeah so uh, i think there was intense pressure on uh, china it was the lone guy standing against uh, blocking the designation that to on uh, some technical hold mm. they didn't wish to remove i think Uh, the blocking of masood azhar like was more to like needed india i mean it had outlived its usefulness mm. uh, and like the perception was building across the world mm. uh, that china was the lone guy who wanted to block it mm. especially when they want to see themselves as a world leader mm. so this won't project them in positive light mm. so it was just like a calculations that okay i mean this has outlived its usefulness so no point uh, bl- uh, blocking it i think they did talk to the pakistanis before they declared it because uh, 
I think there was a press conference in Pakistan by the DGISPL uh, Gafur who uh, did drop like very subtle hints as to uh, that this might be coming down the road mm. and uh, I mean it's not like China is going to hand over uh, Mosul because it's designated a, uh, a terrorist like on the list sure. because as he's on with Hafiz Sayer, like he has also not been repatriated to India mm-hmm. on the terror mm-hmm. charges. So it's like more a cosmetic thing for uh, uh, China to give up. There's nothing to uh, give up. Yeah. Uh, no, I know, and 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 and, and but, but it is uh, for China. It's nothing to give, but for India, it's seen as a huge diplomatic victory because you yeah, not only yeah. have the Chinese uh, relenting on this, you have a sort of slew of go global powers actually standing up with India on the on this cause. And one must not uh, 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 forget what France did as well. I mean, United States was obviously on Indian India's corner on this one. And this sort of also changes the geopolitical reality because they do see Islamist terrorism, jihadist terrorism as a threat. And what people like Masood Azhar do possess to civilization, you know, as a threat to civilization. And why the Pakistani military establishment have, you know, looked the other way when in... in when they have overwhelming evidence, heck, Masood Azhar is in hospitals there and they keep looking the other way. So it's also, I think, uh, next step in that direction. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you if you look at the Balakot uh, airstrikes, the aftermath, hmm. I think maybe except Turkey, nobody else condemned like uh, the actions taken by India in the airstrike. Because hmm. usually like when somebody violates other country's sovereignty, usually like there are messages to calm down but like nobody came to Pakistan so, so yeah it is like a practically a pariah in the yeah. international world to 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 um, uh, you know to borrow the f- uh, borrow uh, an oft used phrase the paradigm has shifted and in Indian foreign policy in terms of uh, if, if, I, if I were to put like a line in the last few years or something it is a pre-Balakot, post-Balakot sort of um, differentiator. But before we get into Indian elections, let's. I, I want us to talk a little bit about Sri Lanka. We, we didn't spend enough time. Sri Lanka was, uh, uh, you know, there was a horrific attack on Easter a couple of weeks ago. Uh, more than 200 people, I guess, uh, were the casualty because of that. Uh, it was finally linked to an Islamist group in Sri Lanka. The, the tragedy was the, the liberals in India, the left in India, spent half their time discussing um, uh, how we should not be Islamophobic by naming that group. But then as soon as that group's name was out, they stopped tweeting about the Sri Lanka attacks. And it was it's a tragedy that the only thing you want to tweet about the attack is oh, after the pre-functionary solidarity is don't be Islamophobic. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah, I mean, uh, always with all these incidents uh, nowadays, like with any, I mean, this incident, like people always tend to jump their gun and put their biases uh, on view, mm-hmm. be it any event around the world. I mean, this would just be a small example. Like people always jump the gun that, okay, this is the reason why it happened. And you can invariably see their biases behind it, mm-hmm. uh, be it any country in the world. I think that's a, a prevalent thought that, People just form their own opinion even before the facts are out, which 
in many times it takes some time to come out you know right That's no and i think the, the the issue with what happened in sri lanka is also that sri lanka uh, the there was a security lapse where the sri lankan government ignored the evidence that the indian authorities sent them and stuff it, it basically succumbing to this narrative that we don't want india to be you know avenge or settle their scores and stuff through us but but by it was evidence so that was the problem also you had the chinese angle where the ex um, the guy who is i think leading the shangrila hotels is a um, uh, security in charge or something and he was uh, in sri lanka stop security guy under rajapaksha there was a recording released by sri lanka mirror or something i forget the newspaper sri lanka telegraph that it he was talking to china about it so that was that was another troubling angle yeah that's a interesting angle because as you know rajapaksha has always been close to china hmm. so how this plays out in the long run is yet to be seen because uh, like rajapaksha with his uh, uh, hardline uh, Im- image where he like sort of center of right hmm. he would want to uh, put this as a failure on pin the failure on sirisena and uh, vikramasinghe hmm. and try to return to power I and mean, obviously he cannot return to power because of the term limits hmm. but he can push his uh, brother gotavaya like to be standing in the next presidency but it's like quite some time away so you never know how the politics on the island might turn uh, out term, <laughs> if if rajapaksha's friends have taught him anything the term limits was only a thing <laughs> as we saw in china <laughs> so <laughs> So, so never discount yeah, that true. also. The man, I think, put his picture on uh, the Sri Lankan notes. Man, currency. Anyone who does that can do anything. <laughs> In a so, so that's the thing about Sri Lanka. We'll be tracking the story closely. Uh, I, uh, I would urge Mohan and Kishore to do another deep dive into this on their podcast, and would urge everyone to listen to that. In it and seeing what happens. Yeah. I know you guys are also yeah, busy. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, we are planning to do that, but uh, with the elections, uh, we just trying to figure out when to do. That's the question. Yeah, and so. and then I'm also going to tell like make a small announcement. Like we'll also do like a where mind makers columnists actually come in and give their opinion on who's going to form the government and something. That's something we are having it in the works. In the next couple of weeks, we should make that announcement. Now we are only three weeks away from results, so we are getting into the home stretch. So without further ado, let's get into the biggest battle on display tomorrow. Ameethi. टू यूज द क्लीशे मोहल जी आपको क्या लगता है राहुल जी की हारने के चांसेस है या नहीं कांग्रेस डज रियलाइज दैट देर ऑन स्टिकेट आउट देर दैट्स गांधी कॉन्टेस्ट फ्रॉम सेकेंड कॉन्स्टिट्यूंसी इन वायनाड बट ऑन द अदर हैंड फैमिली बैस्टियन Hmm. for uh, quite some time so it's not very hard to displace especially when you consider the fact that none of the major opposition parties have put up a candidate like many times what happens in these um, uh, situations is like you could easily get like let's say 30 35% or 40 40 45% of the vote and still win hmm. which is like less than 50% but in this case uh, it's not a tough battle because uh, like uh, I mean, like the, the the absence of many of the major parties makes it tough. Not that like uh, Amiti has been in a losing so, wicket for Congress. I, I have a weird conspiracy theory about this. Okay, 
I think that SP and BSP not put up candidates to help the Congress, right? But and it's not really conspiracy because it's actually happening. I think a lot of disgruntled voters, especially the OBC voters of BSP, uh, are, you know, the Jatavs are the code vote bank, but there are the other voters and some OBC voters of Samajwadi party. I think they will drift towards the BJP in absence of a can- SPBSP candidate. And we are seeing that in some states where there is strategic voting, where they'll be like, you know, voting for SP in uh, one seat, but the, the same caste will be voting for a BJP in another seat, BJP candidate, because they think that they are, they can knock off a, a SP, BSP face or something. But I think, the, so Smith, just like Rahul Gandhi is the opposition face, Smithy, Smithy Irani is the government face. So a lot of people who might be feeling ambivalent about whether they should go for Congress or not, they might be going for her. And the recent meltdowns that you see See, right i think it's, it's 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 something to do with that also like there is some uh, the liberal meltdown you see there is some sort of helplessness that is setting in ki ye election to gaya ab to gandhi ko bhi bacha nahi payenge <laughs> so i don't know but but you think bjp has a chance this time you think they have a better chance than 2014 or a worse off chance than 2014 better because uh, see like at that time also remember uh, we had the app candidate sorry i forget his name kumar uh, vishwas yeah yeah so like he also sucked away some of the anti congress vote right that's right so that would flow to the bjp in normal circumstances hmm. but still i mean uh, rahul gandhi did win by a substantial margin did you even though it came down So I would say like it's like a fifty-fifty battle. I mean, too hard to say. I mean, Rahul Gandhi could scrape through in the end, or Shruti Rani could pull up a pull up a shocker. I mean, you know. So I would still put it like a up in the air. And, and honestly, considering how much Shruti Rani, how much time he has spent, she has spent there, how much work she has done. Quite frankly, her winning might not even be a shocker. Yeah, that's true. I'm just. talking purely on the numbers part of it so i mean yeah if you are a 15 year in charge of the constituency mm. uh, the in theory the amount of goodwill with uh, the work you would have done should be a no brains that uh, i mean many people compare this with how chindwada is like or how baramati right and i think and rahul kaval asks kaval not the Nee, nee, Rahul Kamal asked Kamal Nath this question uh, on I was watching this show on India Today and <laughs> Kamal Nath said ki abhi to Rahul Gandhi uh, abhi bhi aaye hai and he's like abhi bhi aaye he's been around since 2004 and his family has run the constituency for except for two terms and that too the only time BJP won the constituency was when they had a congress import Sanjay Singh so so it is a, See, I think that you bring up a good point so that shows that Over the years, it's been a pr- uh, pr- pr- practically an impregnable fortress. Yeah. That's why I just put a bit of a halt on the expectations that okay, you know, it's still a fifty-fifty. I mean, you know, contest. No, but but also, I would like people to see that Smriti Irani is the first BJP BJP face to do that. Sanjay Singh, Sanjay Singh came to the BJP. Then when the Gandhis were back in power, he shifted the loyalties to the Gandhis. So, uh, wo I I I personally don't uh, don't do that, and uh, same with Arun Nehru also. Arun Nehru was also an import. So, uh, you when so when the sort of thinking during the Vajpayee years was that if you want to win these seats, you are going to win, and maybe it was the correct thinking that you are only going to win with these who are seen as sort of faces, you know, of close to Gandhi family and stuff. I I don't know if it was correct or not, but Narendra Modi has taken a uh, risk. I think Rai Bareilly they are going to lose. Sonia is going to win that. But um, Amethi, they do have a chance. 
Sure, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's the thing. Um, now moving on, uh, I think Mohan, you wrote a terrific piece on uh, West Bengal and Odisha, and Odisha has already voted. Uh, so I want to talk about West Bengal a little bit because that is the state where people are saying it could BJP bring a surprise. Amit Shah is addressing these mammoth rallies. I mean, when I say mammoth, yeah. they are huge rallies. Zim, Narendra Modi, yeah. and all, and it's uh, BJP is on a popularity. tangent unlike others in fact so much so that i was watching this interview bit or something where there was a, a west bengal congress chief or something talking to pranoy roy and he said that bjp could win in to 10 seats in west bengal and that's quite an admission and he's a congress chief i don't even think bjp insiders claim that on camera privately of course they might be saying that we have 10 15 seats chance so that is quite an assertion for an opposition party guy to say So what do you think? Yeah, I mean, uh, see, it all depends on couple of factors. I mean, like the TMC vote share and the left plus Congress. So uh, as I've written that, uh, I mean, if you look at all the opinion polls, mm. what we see is that the left and Congress will, which used to have forty percent vote share last time, so it was like forty for uh, sorry thirty for left. Ten for Congress, seventeen hmm. for BJP, and uh, around thirty-nine point three, so thirty-nine for TMC. Hmm. Now in a four-cornered contest, like thirty-nine is like uh, massive, like it's like like BJP hmm. Uttar Pradesh numbers, right, from two thousand fourteen. Yeah. Now what is BJP was I think forty-two in UP. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I'm just saying in the same ballpark. So forty percent in a four-cornered contest. Ha ha ha. Absolutely. Like a, Anything over thirty-five is huge in a four-cornered contest. Yeah. So now the left is. If you look at all the opinion polls, like, uh, and what I did in my simulations is I like shrunk the left vote share by half. Hmm. Now uh, and then the Congress pretty much will re- retain its strength. They say only at nine ten percent. I mean, might be coming from the strongholds where they might just retain uh, some just, vote share. Just to add a clicker, I think what uh-huh. Mohan is meaning that Congress strongholds are in your Malda, Murshidabad area, which is North Bengal, uh, Muslim yeah, dominated yeah. areas. Yeah. So, uh, what I'm trying to say is basically, if the left collapses, let's say from 30 to 15, hmm. now the biggest question is where that 15 percent will go, right? Hmm. So, assume for a second, let's say if it, I mean, it's not going to completely shift to BJP, but I mean, a part of it will go to TMC. So, let's say BJP can gain majority of those voters, but then how much? Uh, TMC loses to BJP also will make it complicated. So as, as I showed in like scenario one, let's say BJP doubles, not doubles, but almost like from seventeen to thirty-one percent, and TMC retains its thirty-nine percent. Because mind you, uh, Mamta Banerjee, she is like spending quite a few days in the interior of Bengal in uh, various constituencies to make sure that the turnout on her side is. Uh, uh, Is like uh, you know good enough to defeat mm-hmm. any. I mean, uh, from the BJP. So she's mobilizing from all reports. She's mobilizing all. She's pulling out all the stops to mobilize her resources. So and this is the Mamta Bastion. The phases that the constituencies that now go into polls in phases five, yeah, six, and seven. Are, the north and south Paraganas, all that. These are TMC strongholds. Yeah, yeah. So like uh, BJP is most. Biggest strongholds are usually like the north and western Bengal. Mm. So South Bengal is, and I think they have uh, brought in for the South Bengal phase uh, their men in charge from Tripura who oversaw the Tripura uh, elections. I forget his name. Uh, 
maybe I'll record it later in the podcast. So what I was trying to say is that the TMC can she retain, and she is doing a lot to retain. And there are reports that she might retain it. So BJP might double their vote share, let's say, mm. from seventeen to thirty-four. Mm. But if Mamta retains that thirty-nine or maybe thirty-eight, thirty-seven, she's still going to win a vast majority of their seats. But once TMC and BJP, let's say they both come to thirty-five, thirty-five. Let's say Mamta comes slightly lower, and BJP captures all the losses from TMC, uh, sorry, from left and Congress. Mm. Then it starts to get interesting because then you can get like crazy numbers. Once you go anywhere close to it, so in the end, I mean, it's hard to say. Maybe like five to eight seats would be uh, definitely like the baseline or the possibility. Mm. I mean, then it all depends on how much Mamta loses. Which some as per some reports, she is not losing a lot of that vote. So it, I mean, BJP could as I said, BJP could double their vote share, but. No, but also you have to understand this is going to be a four or five step process for BJP right now. They they have a good chance in seats like Asansol, which they held, Krishna Nagar, Darjeeling, where SS Aluwalia is standing from. Then you have the Calcutta North seat, which although is in TMC stronghold, but it's heavy. It has a heavy mattering of Marwadi and Gujarati votes too, which um, a lot of trading communities which go. And then there are um, there are seats. See, I, I think we are going to see some of the left base going towards. BJP because the left cadre has been badly hit by TMC and Congress. Okay, they were like violent, so then they are going to might go towards BJP. Also, you're going to have a lot of the Hindu TMC vote going towards the BJP because there is Mamata is seen as being appeasing appeasement appeasing to Islamists and stuff. So that that is something, and then that is I think that explains also BJP's gain in uh, some seats of the Malda region and that. And this is all I think a precursor for the West Bengal Assembly elections happening two years from now. Because there, if BJP emerges with like sixty, seventy MLAs and a principal opposition party, then the state will take to BJP like few others have. But but hold your thought, and we're going to wrap up with Rajasthan and Madhya Pradesh uh, in the next segment. So yeah, to <clears throat> to wrap things up, I think BJP has a chance in like a few seats, like Krishna Nagar, Asanso, like we were saying about uh, eight to ten seats where they have dum dum, uh, they can do. And um, the 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 key is basically how can they get their own cadre to vote out and how much of the cross votes they bag. So but the script for Bengal is yet not written. It's going on for the next three phases. So we'll cover all of that here. But before uh, we end this podcast, a uh, little bit about Rajasthan. Rajasthan is a fascinating story. Um, it's not already half of it is already voted. The northern part, right, the, the, where Vasundhara's son was standing uh, and all. Now I think uh, Udaipur and other regions vote today. Uh, tomorrow, I'm sorry. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, and Rajasthan generally the pe- the party in power has swept the state. Like in 2009, uh, uh, Congress swept it. Well, it got 20 seats out of 25. And in 2004, even though the BJP lost elsewhere, because Vasundhara had won six months ago, BJP won 21. 2014 was of course a wave election where BJP swept uh, state and uh, uh, assembly like with humongous margins. state and lok sabha this time what's weird is that even though congress was the single largest party in rajasthan and notice i said single largest party not the majority because they did not get a majority um it is seeming most polls are saying that bjp is going to get either 18 to 20 seats from rajasthan why is that happening 
is it just because of a narendra modi factor or is it because bjp did not do that badly in the state polls they have sort of recalibrated their strategy in the last 6 months i think it's a combination of factors i mean even if you remember the rajasthan assembly elections i mean there was a slogan going around ki uh like vasundhra teri i think khair nahi or narendra modi tujhse bhair nahi or something like that like basically <laughs> they were like upset with vasundhra hmm. but like they were not upset with uh, uh, like narendra modi so narendra modi's popularity is uh, also also you have to take into fact that the events with a uh, western neighbor have also shaped things in rajasthan which is a border state hmm. so there is like a sense of uh, nationalism like uh, which would have helped national BGP security is a triumphing issue yeah. also, also yeah, i mean i would say like triumphant but it's a major it's a significant issue mm. so that would still help and also uh, i mean these uh, factors like also uh, in rajasthan the congress uh, like some people haven't been uh, happy with uh, some of the promises made by the congress government so i mean various set of factors have conspired to where we are i mean i would at least expect like as you said like uh, 17 to maybe 20 seats uh, but i mean what, what like, is fascinating mohal mm-hmm. is even if i take the theory that vasundhra was not popular or something vasundhra has been addressing a whole lot of rallies okay like not just for his son even like for other so clearly there is something where bjp missed out in the assembly polls and they have done the course correction because both vasundhra raje and shivraj singh chauhan have been campaigning left right and center Mm-hmm. And uh, another inter- contest which is going to be interesting is ob- obviously the Bhopal contest. Sadhvi Pragya Thakur versus Digvijay Singh. Um, mm-hmm. Bhopal is a BJP stronghold, but the Congress did not do that badly in the assembly polls. So what they have to see is how that works out. And uh, yeah, yeah, same thing in Madhya Pradesh. I mean, BJP might not do as badly as uh, like the history suggests, where uh, the whoever does better in the assembly will do better in the uh, lok sabha elections but also on the other hand they might not do as good as uh, 2014 where they won 25 in rajasthan and 27 in madhya pradesh so it might be sort of an average in between let's say like uh, 17 to 20 each from both you know yeah so, i think what bjp is hoping for is about at least 80% strike rate from both states and uh, a sort of a 90 to 95% from gujarat so that is the because the the four the clusters the four uh, western states and uh, madhya madhya pradesh being the central western madhya pradesh rajasthan gujarat and maharashtra hold the key to bjp getting 230 to 40 or 210 220 yeah they would at least want like 80 from actually 85 or 80 to 85 from all four the, the four the western front hmm and that that is that is the that is the key because up they are doing seemingly well but up will see and we'll go talk about the other phases also in polls but that's um that's what it seems like uh, up bihar how it comes uh, what happens remains to be seen we have done detailed podcasts on up and bihar and we will do another one on up but um, before we go mohan any recommendations you have for our listeners this week uh one of the recommendations that i uh, recently read was this uh, piece by harita uh-huh. on uh, masood azhar and also i would recommend her on uh, sri lanka okay thank you so much uh, both on mind makers and the please read harita's piece published 
today as well on Masooda sir. It's a it's a, it's it's almost like a sequel to her previous piece. <laughs> so th- thank you so much, Mohan, for that. And I promise I did not make him say it before you accuse me of that. <laughs> um, uh, and um, uh, my recommendation this week, uh, in terms of a movie I saw, uh, I know I'm going to sound like a fanboy, but do watch Avengers Endgame. It's a love letter to all Marvel fans. And it's absolutely fun to watch. Um, and then also, um, my my other recommendation this week would be to um, watch this uh, this series on, um, on, on, uh, on Indian... On Indian Prime Minister's ABP News came out last time called Pradhan Mantri. And it's very important to know, it's of course going to have its biases and stuff like that. But very important to know where we came from in order to know where we are going and why we are going in a certain direction. That's all I'm going to say. Write to me, write to Mindmakers, write to Mohal about what you feel and what, um, what your thoughts are about our podcast in this but thank you so much Mohal for joining uh, we'll definitely again. do a post-elections uh, post-mortem on uh, May 20, the weekend of May 24th that podcast is going to be an all-star lineup and you're going to have discussions and I think we're going to go crazy on numbers so please stay tuned I might even do multiple short podcasts on different states but I, I haven't thought about it yet right now uh, we're just doing more analysis and everything and please listen to what Mohal and Kishore have to say on that India right podcast and do read their pieces too so once again thank you for joining me and we'll be back short next week or middle of this week with more i am depending on how the events of the week go thank you all <laughs>